All right, it's Chandra with the Contemporary Horsemanship Podcast, and today I'm going to continue talking about science topics and how it relates to horse training, and I'm going to talk about operant conditioning. So we already talked about classical conditioning and how that um, affects your training and equine behavior, stuff like that, Um, and now we're going to go into the operant side. Um, So we're just going to go with the definition first. So operant conditioning involves the regulation of behavior by its consequences, so life experiences, Um, Basically, the the animal operates on its environment to produce produce effects or consequences. So those could be good or bad, but the, that's where you get the operant from. It's the animal is operating on its environment to like get something it wants or to avoid something it doesn't want. Um, uh, B.F. Skinner named named it operant conditioning, um, and he helped develop what we now know um, of modern behavioral analysis. So you'll hear about him. Um, as I read more, um, I think Thorndike actually kind of discovered it, but I think B.F. Skinner just named it. Um, and I'll talk about Thorndike in a little bit. So um, any behavior that operates on the environment to produce an effect is called an operant. So again, kind of just expanding on that definition. Um, and then an animal that shows a behavior that produces an effect or increases or decreases the frequency of the operant in a given situation is Skinner's definition of operant behavior um, or operant conditioning so again most most importantly the operant um, behavior or conditioning is selected by its consequences so just like classical conditioning is happening all the time like you may not even realize it most of the time um, and you're just like kind of associating things that are good or bad in your environment uh, the operant's opposite. So this is what you're going to be seeing a lot when you're clicker training your horse or just training your horse in general because you're shaping the behavior. You're changing it. The The horse is operating on its environment to, again, if you're using positive reinforcement, get something it desires. Or if you're using negative reinforcement, get away from something that's aversive. So some human examples of operant behavior, and there are a, a lot <laughs> because a lot of our behaviors are operant because we, we do behaviors all day long to get something or to go somewhere or do whatever. So like smiling at someone and someone smiles back at you. So that's a good a good example because depending on its consequences is going to depend on if you do that behavior again. And obviously there's going to be a component to it, like an internal component on like how you feel toward other people, which is probably based a little bit more on classical conditioning. But for now, like we're just going to talk about operant. But so the consequences of smiling at someone. So maybe you smile at someone on the street and they smile back. You're probably more likely to smile at another person versus if you smile at someone on the street and they scowl at you or they don't look at you or they yell at you or something. You get one of these other behaviors back to you um, that you didn't really like, then you're less likely to smile at someone in the future. Um, So like pressing buttons is a good example as well. And that's where like Thorndike does his um, cat in a box experiment. And this is where he like finds discovers operant conditioning um, or names it do it does whatever (laughs) I don't know if he necessarily discovers it but figures out what it is Um, so like that could be pressing buttons on your remote that could be pressing buttons in your car opening a door um, doing stuff like that and then like turning on a light switch is a good one too because that's a really good example of how the same thing with the door but how the environment is set up to like change your behavior so let's say you turn on the light and the light doesn't turn on and you're like well you expect it to turn on so you 
you flip it harder or you might like push on it differently. You might change your body positioning, whatever, to get the light to turn on. And if it doesn't turn on, you might do it more frequently or, or harder, like you push the button harder or you flip the switch harder. And that's where you start getting into extinction. So with operant conditioning, based on the environment and what's set up in that environment, you're getting those variations of behavior. So it should be like you moving to switch the light differently or you pressing the the lever harder or faster or whatever, those are going to be your variables depending on the environment. So like if the light's not coming on, you might start changing those things. Or if you have something in your hands, you might turn it on with like your elbow or something else. But then once those things no longer work, that's where you start getting into that frustration and you start hitting it a lot or flipping it, flicking it a lot or something like that. Um, and that's where you get into the extinction where you're like, oh, like I've tried all these things. It just doesn't work. And you get frustrated. And that can be with uh, any number of things. Same thing with like starting your car. You, you turn the key and nothing happens. You turn the key some more and faster and faster. You might hit the um, steering wheel or something like th- that's going to be your extinction. And we'll talk about extinction later on. But I want to talk about the variations of behavior within the operating conditioning based on what is happening. So based on the reinforcement or the feedback that you're getting from whatever you're doing. So like when you're turning on the light, you're not being reinforced by seeing the light. So you're not getting any reinforcement. So that's when that extinction starts to happen. And that's the same thing that can happen with your horses is if a behavior that was reinforced isn't now, then you you could get that behavior more or more frequently or like if a horse is frustrated, they might do it uh, like harder, faster, do something like that. So like usually what will happen is um, like if they're going forward and you're lunging, for example, they might go forward closer to you. They might go forward faster. They might go forward with their ears pinned, stuff like that. So they're like, they're like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Usually this behavior earns me something and now they're frustrated because it is not. So those are all <laughs> um, important examples of operant conditioning and then how it can how it the chair varies your behavior and how it can become then extinction so that's what we got to be careful with with our horses and that's where I really got confused in the beginning when I was very first starting clicker training because I didn't quite understand like how often I needed to feed and I needed to be very clear first on what I needed wanted my horse to do. So I need to set up the environment so that he can do it easily. And it's, it's easy for him to figure out what it is. So I have less of a chance of him offering all these other behaviors. So like I, I want, like when, when for us, for a human, like I'm using my remote to go with my TV or I'm turning on the light switch to turn on the light or I'm turning my key to go into the car like those are all context specific so I need in the beginning at least when training the horse like I need to show him that we we tack up in the same location or I start riding him um, at the same or we start stopping at the same spot on the rail so he starts to associate those things and I kind of set up the environment to where he'll be successful and then I can kind of add changes to it because obviously I don't want him to only stop in one certain place just like I would use the remote just on the TV. But if I had a remote, I knew how to use it. I could use it on other things. Like if you have remotes for your lights or whatever else you have, but, um, that comes with more learning, but that can be helpful in the beginning. So setting up the environment's really important. And then knowing like when your horse is starting to get frustrated and starting to get towards extinction. So in the beginning, my, I would, 
leave really long gaps of time between when I would reinforce and my horses would start throwing in other behaviors. And then I would, when I'm stuck, I was stuck in still doing negative reinforcements. So I was like, I'll just wait till he offers me something else. And then I'd click for something else. But what I was doing was like, if I wanted my horse to stand straight, which you can see these videos online with me, specifically with Caster, um, because he would, I would want him to stand straight with his head still and low, but he would do that for a second. And then I'd let him chew his treat. And I was like, okay, well, I'll let him chew his treat and stand here for a second. And then I'll reinforce him again. But in that amount of time, which was like 10, 15 seconds, which is not a lot of time in negative reinforcement world, or, you know, if you're not putting any pressure on the horse, they can kind of stay there and hang out. But on the positive reinforcement side of the world, you have to really show them exactly what you want every single time and then build duration. So build up the time that they can do a certain thing. So that that's just in the beginning. But so I would have him ask him to stand still and then he would start turning his head to the left. He turned to the right. He'd move it up and down and then he'd be still again and I'd click him. And now I have a horse that would stand still and then turn left and right and then go back to the middle. And I have all this other behavior inside there. So I'm trying to say is like you have to break it down into really tiny pieces and then build it up from there. So he can stand with his head straight for one second. I can click that. I can do that a couple times and then two seconds. I can click that and then build it up. It doesn't, it's not, and it shouldn't be like that forever. Like you shouldn't be doing that. It should be very systematic. Two seconds, three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. I, I like to do three trials. So first he's standing still with his head straight for one second and he can do that three times successfully and then two times successfully and so on. But that was a big part of it is because he's operating on his environment and he's trying to figure out what's working, that's where I get all those other behaviors. So that's why I wanted to kind of explain. I know that's kind of a separate little tangent, but what is happening behind that is the operant conditioning. So that's what we want to just kind of sh- shorten the time span when between reinforcers, at least in the beginning, so that we have less of the horse trying different things. So um you do see a lot of horses like showing operant behaviors. Um, again, just like the human ones that I just mentioned. Um, obviously, it's going to be a lot in training. They do it naturally just in the pasture as well. Like if it's sunny out, like they're going to go stand in the shade. Or if the bugs are biting them, they'll probably go on the shelter. Stuff like that. Obviously, they don't have cars to drive and stuff. <laughs> and remotes to push buttons on. But um, it's going to be a lot of us showing them what they want. So if I present my horse with like a halter, like I've trained my horse to put the, or their head in the halter. So they see this situation and then they, through the, their reinforcement history, they know to put that in their, their head in there and then they will be reinforced. So, or like at feeding time, they know to go to stay in a certain position and, and then they will be fed and they'll be reinforced. So there are um, lots of uh, different examples of that, but obviously you're going to see that a lot more often in just your training than, you know, they're usually out grazing most of the time. They're not out solving problems. So you'll see that mo- most, office, most often in your training. So um, I want to talk about the consequences a little bit of operant behavior because that's what's going to drive the behavior. So the consequence that follows the behavior determine whether or not it will be repeated in the future. So that is a super important thing because just like with all my examples, like if my light switch is broken in my living room and I went up to it and I pushed it normal and nothing happened, I pushed it faster and nothing happened, I pushed it a little bit harder and nothing happened, I'm like, okay, well, my light bulb is 
burnt out. Like I need to do another, I need to get another one. So for the rest of the time until I get a new light bulb, I won't, I probably won't even try to turn it on. So since the consequence was that I didn't get the light that I expected to come on, now that my behavior has changed because of the consequence. If the light had turned on, I would just continue pushing that switch every time I wanted it to turn on. The consequence was that I had gotten the light. So my behavior is that I'm going to continue turning on my light switch. So the consequences are really going to be what's driving behavior here. So um, like a horse example, moving another horse away from their food um, or from themselves or another horse that they'd like to be near. Um, Like they don't want one horse too close. So they're going to maybe pin their ears or something, have that, the other horse listens to that behavior. So now they can have all of the hay net or they can drink at the water trough in peace or they can have another horse away from them. So again, they're operating on their environment. They just don't want something so like one of the other horses too close to them. Um, and then the consequence is that that behavior worked and then the horses stay away. So that's where in training different different behaviors, the unwanted behaviors can happen as well. Because like in that example, the other horse listened to the body language and left the other horse alone. Now, if we don't do that, or if we punish that, then we can get a different consequence. So like, I think I've talked about this a little bit in past episodes, but um, a horse that shows like pinned ears or wants to bite or tries to bite and then is either punished or you're just kind of ignored and you like continue tacking up or something, the horse might skip that behavior and go on to more intense behavior. So you might start kicking or you might start actually biting. Um, so that's when you can, that's where the consequences is there. So the consequence of the behavior didn't work. So depending on the horse, the horse might get more intense with their body language. So just like I got more intense trying to turn my light on, then that horse might actually follow through and bite me. They might actually kick me. They might run away. They might get, there's different, obviously differences in behavior depending on the individual and other reinforcement histories, but that's where you can get those more intense behaviors too, depending on the consequences. Um, And then obviously not all horses are going to do that, but I thought that was a good example of it um, because I might get frustrated because my my light doesn't turn on and I might hit it a few times hard. Another person might do it once or twice, be like, oh, it's off, and then they would stop. So another horse might just give up and not show stronger behaviors um, if you're like tacking them up in that example. So again, it depends on the individual, but you can get those more intense behaviors as well. Let's see. So you can also get these operant behaviors, just like I said, from positive or negative reinforcement. So same thing. Um, Because again, it's by consequences. So if I'm using negative reinforcement and I'd like my horse to go forward and I'm riding him and I just squeeze my legs on his side, he goes forward and then I take my legs off. Then the, the consequence is if he moves forward, my legs come off and I'm not squeezing his sides anymore. So then he'll continue to do that. Um, not all of those work, obviously, because depending on your horse and the reinforcement history, that might not be aversive for some horses, um, like aversive enough to create that movement, or they have learned something differently. Again, there's your reinforcement history, so it depends. So again, now that I'm talking about reinforcement history, um, behavior is selected by its history of reinforcement. So if I have a horse that in my go forward example has 
maybe only been taught to go forward from voice cues and I put my legs on he's only he thinks well what is this like I don't know what this is I don't use the voice cue or I use a different voice cue or I put my leg on in a different way or maybe he's only been ridden with spurs or he has never been ridden with spurs and I'm using spurs there's a lot of variability there so that's why we always have to give the horses the benefit of the doubt especially when you're riding a horse you don't know getting a new horse something like that um, because there's so many variables there that could be very specifically conditioned to the animal and they have that history of reinforcement and we don't know what it is. So if I'm riding my horse and he only knows to go forward like from the tap of a spur twice in the side and I'm trying to squeeze him with my calves, he might not go forward. He might not generalize that and understand that's a, a go forward cue. So we got to think about their history of reinforcement um, a lot too because even if you're using positive reinforcement, um, like when a horse chooses to do one behavior over another, the history of reinforcement of the one the behavior that they'd rather do is stronger than the other one. So that's also something to think about as well. So an individual emits behavior that produces effects, consequences, or outcomes. Based on these consequences, those performances that are appropriate will increase, becoming more frequent in the population or the class of responses for that situation. So just like um, my light switch, if I turn it on with my finger every time and it works, I'll continue to use that response. Um, at the same time, an inappropriate forms of response will decline or become extinct. So if I like have a bunch of stuff in my hands and I try to get my light switch with my elbow and I just keep missing it and it's frustrating, like I probably will change my behavior to where I don't have as much stuff in my hands or I might get like um, like Siri to turn on the lights or whatever, whatever it might be, someone else to do it. So there's differences to the behavior. So depending, again, become depending on the consequences, um, different responses will decline or become extinct. So um, that's really important to think about as well. What are you reinforcing and what's not being reinforced? And then obviously the easiest one are going to be the most obvious. So if I'm clicking and feeding for a certain behavior, I'm like, I, I know that that behavior is being reinforced. The trickier ones are sometimes the unwanted behaviors. And you're like, what is reinforcing this? Like one of my Mustangs, Castor, he paws at his gait and I'm not quite sure why he still does it because, well, I have an idea. I think my husband is accidentally reinforcing it because when he paws at his gate, I leave. I don't look at him. I don't do anything. I just walk away from him because I don't want any attention being put on him because that could become, that could act as a reinforcer and I don't even know it. So that's a good example of something that you consciously don't even notice is happening, but it's reinforcing a behavior. So um, for him, I think what's happening is when he paws at the gate, my husband's looking at him or he might even be walking toward him or feeding him. But I think it, it might just be enough that he's his attention moves from whatever he's doing and looks at Castor. I think that's what's reinforcing his behavior because um, he's been doing this for a while because he's, he'll be like, oh, I want to go play. I want to do whatever. I want to do a training session. So he'll paw at the gate and have a metal gate. Um, and he's gotten his leg in it before. So he, for for us, <laughs> for right now, since we haven't been able to change the behavior, he just has mesh on his gate so he can't get his leg in it again because that's dangerous. So we haven't prevented the behavior. He still paws at it, but it's just safe now because there's mesh there. But 
Um, but it, the point is the little tiny things can be the things that are reinforcing the behavior. So just sometimes when my husband's outside, he'll look at Castor when he's pawing and that's continuing that, that behavior. And I think maybe even a little bit when I, cause I don't look at him, I don't do anything either. If I'm outside at the barn, I'll go in the barn, I'll leave and I'll go work with another horse. I won't go back to him. I won't look at him. I won't work with him. I definitely won't feed him. Or if I'm leaving, he'll, he'll do it a lot when I'm leaving and I'll be like working with another horse and then I'll go inside um, and he'll start pawing and I'll just continue to walk away. Um, what I think he, is happening, possibly if my husband's not reinforcing it and he could, it could be both things, but I think he might be starting to go through extinction as well because um, just like with the light switch or the keep turning on your car over and over again, he's pawing and pawing and pawing. He's pawing more because nothing's happening. Usually he'll paw a little bit and then he'll get attention or food or something. Um, but now that's not happening. And now he's going to paw more. He's having that extinction burst where he, should, he tries all these different things. So like I'm trying to flip on my light switch over and over again. Or now I'm like like really turning my car on over and over again. Or I'm going to smack it on the windshield. Or, or not on the windshield. On the driver. Um, the steering wheel. Some part of the car. Um, to get it to work. So um, Or like you see that a lot on computers. Especially when I help my mom with the computer where you're like typing and you can't do it. And so she'll push the buttons more and more and more and more. And I'm like, you're just making it worse. <laughs> but you push it more and more because they that has reinforced you previously because those behaviors have worked in the past. And now for whatever reason, it's not working and you get frustrated. So I think that's what's happening with Castor. Um, it could be a combination as well because my husband could also be reinforcing it. But that's my example of something that you're not necessarily aware of that you're reinforcing but you still could be. So attention could definitely be one of those things. I feel like it definitely is going to happen less like the attention part um, than it would like in the dog world, but it does still happen with horses. We just kind of don't think about it as much. Um, but back to the operant behavior. Um, the operant behavior is not done exactly the same way each time. Natu naturally, it varies in form and frequency. So um, just like everything else, like we might, depending on the environment or what's going on, we might change our behavior um, depending on what's happening. So like um, my door, like the main door that we used to go in and in and out, um, during the summer I have to change the way I open the door because it gets really humid and hot. And when I turn the key, I have to pull the door toward me so that it will like line up with the lock again because the door has expanded, I believe, expanded, yeah. Um, and so I have to pull it toward me and then I can turn the lock and open it. Or I just won't be able to turn the lock at all. I have to pull it toward me. But that only happens in the summertime. The rest of the year I can just open it normally. So I know by experience, like since the environment has changed during the summer, when I go to open the door, I need both of my hands free so that I can open it successfully. So that behavior has changed my operate behavior of opening the door, the door is not done exactly, exactly the same because I know the environment has changed. So you might get, especially in the beginning when you're training things, you might get a variability in behaviors because the horse is um, trying different things that look like what you're reinforcing. So you might be re reinforcing for like ears forward, but the horse thinks you're doing it for head straight or head down or whatever uh, any any of those different things so that's why being really clear with like targets and um 
specific cues and setting up the environment with like stationary cones and things that you can show your horse this is exactly what I want is very helpful and another thing that I didn't do in the beginning because I just was clicking and my horse was having their head low and then it'd be high and then they'd be looking to the left and there was all these different variations and they weren't sure which one was working so and then when I tried to like I just want your head straight then it was frustrating for them because they're like well I turn it to the left and then I have it at this height and then I do this and so then it wasn't working anymore what they thought was being reinforced wasn't and then you ended up with some frustration so um let's see now I'm going to go back to Thorndike so E.L. Thorndike found the basically operant behavior with his cat in a box experiment so um this was first described by him in 1911 so it's basically the effects of environmental consequences just like i've been talking about the operant behavior um so his experiment was he had a cat in like a puzzle box and he would put the cat in the box and there was like a a lever and a ball or something else in the box like a couple different things that if the cat by just walking around in the box if it hit one of those things the door would open and then he'd be able to go out the door and then eat food so and he saw that throughout this experiment that the responses that the cat gave that resulted in escape and food were selected while other behaviors decreased in frequency eventually those operants that produced the reinforcing reinforcing consequences occurred more often allowing the cat to get out of the box more often in and in less time so that is the main experiment which where we kind of figured all this out but that's pretty much sums up operant conditioning is the responses that resulted in whatever the animal is seeking um like in this example it was escape and it was food those responses were more frequently shown because they have been reinforced versus anything else so if the cat's just sitting down um that response wasn't rewarded so pretty much walking around and like being like exploring inside the box was probably a behavior that happened more frequently because they knew if they hit something in the box the door would open and then they they could access the food so that's really important especially in this context so they the cat escaped from the box and got food so that's very um similar to horse training so if we are using positive reinforcement, the animal is getting food or something else they value if they value scratches a lot, but most likely it's going to be food. So, and we've already talked about that a little bit. What I really want to talk about is this scape. So just like in this experiment, like it doesn't really have anything to do with negative reinforcement essentially, because he's looking at um, operant behavior, which does happen within negative reinforcement, but I want to talk about escape as it pertains to horses. So when you're working with horses and negative reinforcement, the horse has to move away from an aversive. So you put on your leg, which is an aversive, the horse moves away from it. You take it off. The horse learns over through, through those trials that putting it on will make the horse go forward. Now, if you put your leg on and your horse gets scared and runs away and you fall off, the horse has now escaped that pressure. So, and that could be with any number of things. The horse gets spooked, you hold on to them and they pull the rope out of your hand. He runs away, he's learned to escape. You see these big escape behaviors specifically in like wild horses. 
mostly because they they really have that desire to get away from you a lot more so than domestic horses do. Obviously, you still see it in domestic horses, especially when a lot of pressure has been applied on them or they've been scared or something like that. But a good example are Mustangs or feral horses where they are like they're they get scared and they have an overreaction and then they end up escaping and then you have a horse that's learned to do this behavior. So like with my Mustang Atlas when I first was started working with him, I did a lot of negative reinforcement before I was like, yeah, I'm not comfortable doing this with them. Um but when we first started leading, he he was very afraid of the rope like um he he just like seeing it from like connected from his halter to my hand just seeing it not putting pressure on it or anything just seeing it would scare him so if we were leading and he saw the rope and then he would like he would get really stuck and then if you start putting pressure on him through like negative reinforcement he stops so I'm putting pressure on him so now he was afraid of the sight of the rope and then I added pressure to that and he could not handle that he got afraid and then he would run away and then he would pull away from me. Then he would run because now the rope is still attached to his halter is now chasing him in his mind because it's attached. And so he's trying to escape. So he would run and he would also freeze and uh, transition between behaviors. So again, there's some operant conditioning in there as well because he's learning. So he his first re- um, reaction was to run and that didn't work because the rope was still there. So he would try to like kind of kick at it. That didn't work. The rope was still there. Then he would freeze. And then that did kind of work because then the rope necessarily wasn't chasing him anymore. It was still there, it was still attached, but it wasn't following him in, from his perspective. So that's just like a, a separate side note, but that is also operant conditioning because he tried different behaviors depending on what was happening. But anyways, what we don't want is those escape behaviors being reinforced, which is tough and I know a lot of people talk about this with um negative reinforcement you're like oh you can't let your horse get away because they'll learn that they can and they'll do it again just say like same thing with like horses that pull to grass like if they pull to grass and then start dragging you to grass and then start dragging you more and and then you get a horse that can that'll just drag you and leave um and then that can be tricky to fix that behavior as well so um that's one of those things you got to really watch with negative reinforcement is that it's not becoming too much pressure for the horse and then they, they lower an escape behavior. I know that's a separate whole side note, but I just want to talk about that a little bit. So, all right, so we've got cat in the box. Okay, so we've got a couple more things and then I'll wrap this up. Um, again, just like with everything else, it's dependent on your learner, so your animal, your horse. Um, each, like, horse is... And, their reaction to things is going to evolve over the species history and it's based on genetics too. So the individual horses experience with their environment, with things in their environment and their genetics. So that's very important, obviously, just like I've, I've probably talked about this multiple times, but just like my Mustangs will react very differently to something than my quarter horse will. And that's going to be on genetics. Like my Mustangs need to respond quickly without wasting a bunch of energy so they need to maybe we hear something rustling the bushes I need to move away from it but then I need to get it a safe distance and then go back to grazing so I don't waste all this energy then I have Dakota my quarter horse on the other hand she hears something in the bushes she'd be like whatever because she's been bred 
through all these lines by humans to just not react to a lot of things. So if she were out in the wild now, like, she'd totally be eaten because she'd hear a mountain lion. The mountain lion could just walk up and jump on her because she'd be like, oh, look, it's a dog. (laughs) She would have no idea. So in the wild, those, the runaway to a safe distance is something they have to have to survive because those animals where they change their behavior are more likely to survive and reproduce. So those are operant behaviors again. Um, But since we have changed it, that's where you get like Dakota wouldn't respond to a rustling in the the leaves. So, but that's really important too with your training um, and depending on the horse um, because her response to stuff is going to be very different than my Mustang's response to stuff. And then at the other extreme, like my off the track thoroughbreds response to stuff is very different to all three of them because he was, was very hot. And, um, I mean, obviously they're only bred to run. That's pretty much it is like mom was fast. Dad was fast. That was it. So he would just run and run and run and run. And it wouldn't be to, it would be to a more of an extent than the Mustangs because they would be skeptical of a lot of things, a lot more things than he was, but they would be skeptical and then they would go, they would get away from something and they would stop. He would just go and go and go and go because that's all he knows. Like he doesn't really have that don't waste your energy because you need to survive later on like the Mustangs kind of do. And not, not all of them will necessarily, but this is just an example of different types of horses. So you also have those types of horses that will just run and run and run and run and run. So that's just a side note too. Um, but go back to my couple last things. So a positive reinforcer is any consequence that increases the probability of the operant that produced it. And then it's going to be the same thing of a negative reinforcer. So a negative reinforcer is going to be a consequence that decreases the probability of the operant that produced it. So the horse won't do something else. Um, that was negative, negative reinforced, negatively reinforced. So the consequence they did not like. So based on past reinforcement, the operant is likely to be repeated the next time. So again, that's where you get your behaviors from. And then that can be the same thing for um, a reinforcement that the the outcome they didn't like. They probably won't do that behavior again. Like if I'm like when there's probably always like a time when you're a kid and your mom's like, don't touch the stove that's hot, but you still need to touch it to figure that out where everyone does that. And then you learn to never do that again. (laughs) Or like with horses, like they touch the hot fence like once or twice and then they never touch it again. So they, through operant conditioning, figured out that touching the fence does not have a great outcome. They won't do it again. Versus coming up to you in the gate at feeding time does have a good outcome because they will get fed. So there's both types of consequences, both negative and positive. So, so hopefully that made some sense. Um, and then I will go into contingencies of reinforcement in the next um, episode because there's a lot of details that go into that because basically the contingencies are positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, negative punishment. And I'll talk about each one and what is considered to be each one and then how it affects the animal. So I'm going to talk about that next time, but hopefully... Um, you learn something from this one.